Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, uh, coming up is one of my favorite guests. As I mentioned earlier, I have him on seasonally. That means four times a year. And it's been over three months, and there's some serious media topics to be discussed. So that's why I call on the media columnist from The Athletic and host of the sports media podcast, Mr. Richard Deitch. Richard, how you doing? Jody, call me one of your favorite guests. That's, that's a nice read off the cue cards there. That's good to be uh, back. How are you? I make stuff off the top of my head. I got a sheet in front of me. It's got like uh, 10 pages of notes, and it did say, oh, yeah, oh, shoot, I did right here. Kiss Richard Deitch's butt. Yeah, I did write that down. Okay, so you are correct. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that and, two, that and 275 will get you right up. <laughs> yeah, just about. Um, quick question for you about the ever-changing broadcast l- landscape Looking backwards, from where we are today to where we were two years ago at the height of the COVID implosion here, what has COVID, if anything, had on broadcasting in general? Was there a major effect? We know it was uh, during the time, and there just weren't games to be played because the country was shut down and the like. But was there anything that transpired that you think has a lasting impact on broadcasting going forward? I do. That's, a, that's actually an excellent question, Jody. Um, I think the lasting impact will be you will see far more broadcasts heading forward be done remotely. And right. that means that the broadcasters and the production team are not on site, but are either at the headquarters of that network or some other facility that, um, you know, that's not at the game site. That's done um, that's done for cost. There's really no other reason for that. And what a lot of networks have made the decision on, Jody, is that they'll sacrifice like a small amount of quality in exchange for what they think is a significant cost savings. And this started because of necessity. It started because obviously um, there was a lot of reduced travel when it came to COVID. There were some arenas, obviously, that just did not allow fans or did not allow anybody there other than the team. So in that sense, you know, broadcasters were prohibited from doing this. And so particularly – now, this won't be the case for major events. Certainly will never be the case for NFL or, you know, like, you know, something significant like that. But just think about it in terms of college inventory. Think about how much uh, a network like ESPN has between ESPN+, Plus, the ACC Network, SEC Network, ESPN, ESPN2 – you take those mid-level games, you know, mid, you know, sort of a mid-major conference level type of games, and instead of sending your broadcast team and production team to every one of those games, you know, 
you, you, you send them, let's say, to 25% of those games. That's significant cost savings, and I think a lot of these places will use COVID as the impetus to sort of change the larger framework and dynamic of, um, of travel. The last part I'll do is what you really have to watch for is whether some more major sports do it, like baseball, and where they make decisions as to not send broadcasters on the road, uh, particularly like the radio broadcasters, and call games from a studio. Um, that, to me, would be a really terrible result um, that came from COVID in terms of cost savings, but it may be the case. Um, I think a lot of networks have just made a decision. I shouldn't say networks. A lot of companies have made a decision um, that with technology, they could put the game on and don't necessarily have to send production and broadcast members on site. All right, so uh, you kind of you started to answer my question. I'm going to hold you down a little bit more, and I'll share my opinion with you. There's no question there's a drop-off in quality. You can't do as good a show from the studio Agreed. watching it on a monitor as you can being there live. So it comes down to a value judgment. Does the drop-off in quality outweigh the savings that you're putting back into your pocket? I'll give you my opinion. I don't see the drop-off as that bad. And it's funny because when I first heard that, I was going, this is going to stink, and they're not there, and you don't have a feel for the game. And I'll be very honest. It, you can tell it's not as good, but I don't think the drop-off's terrible. Um, do you think it is something that is just purely penny-pinching and that uh, you're getting an inferior product when you watch one of those type of games? Yeah, I mean, I would argue just on face the product has to be inferior because you're not sending people on site. But within that framework, I think you can get a – here's how I would answer your question. I think by and large, the majority of the games you could sort of get – if get away is the right phrase, you can get away with this where the consumer is not going to be um, you know, totally disgusted by the product. Where you can get in trouble, and I think they have just made a risk-reward calculation here, is when something happens at the arena where you have – no eyes at the arena and you're relying on monitors. So something like crazy, again, nobody really roots for this to happen, Jody, but you know, uh, there's a fight like on the floor or a fight somehow in the stands or some kind of incident that happens that you're not getting immediate uh, reporting on because you don't have a sideline person or you don't have broadcasters there. So that's when you'll see the product really become problematic because people at home are not going to, know what's going on unless they're obviously connected to social media, et cetera. But I think a lot of companies have made a decision that, I mean, let's just be blunt. If you're ESPN and it's, you know, whatever, you know, Tennessee state versus, I mean, I mean no disrespect. Chattanooga, to, right. You know, yeah. 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 Versus, versus Chattanooga. You, you know, if you can save a couple thousand dollars um, just on that singular game alone, you know, you're going to do it. You're never going to not send people to like, you know, if we want to use college again, you know, Ohio State, Michigan in football, or Duke, North Carolina in basketball. But I do think you're going to see, particularly when it comes to college inventory, because there's so much, I think you're going to see a lot of these remote broadcasts. I will say this, Jordan, you've been in the business for a long time. You've worked at very high levels. You have a great, you know, obviously connection to baseball. It will be an adjustment for these broadcasters to um, call games off a monitor and maybe call, like, you know, a season off a monitor just because you have to train your you really have to change your brain to just think differently. You know, you're not looking out at the field anymore. You're looking at four or five different monitors. You're looking at a monitor maybe that has your stats. You got to do it all in real time. Um, you know, I talked to Kevin Harlan about this during COVID when he was calling games from his basement. You know, he's calling, you know, NBA games from his basement. 
had to make a serious adjustment. We're talking about one of the great announcers of all time. So it is it is not going to be easy for broadcasters. I can promise you that. Well, I know baseball guys have kind of made the adjustment already because they did have two seasons with COVID restrictions. I know a bunch of outlets yep. that were just having guys do it from the studio. So I, I think the adjustment has been made. I'm with you. It's a lesser broadcast. The question is how much lesser. Richard Deitch, our buddy, uh, managing uh, media columnist for the Athletic, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right. The uh, one thing that for eighteen million dollars per season, they're going to make Tony Romo show up. They're going to make Troy Aikman show up. They're not going to be able to do it from their basement like Kevin Harlan. Uh, and God bless them, I think they can afford it, uh, even though they don't pay for their travel either. They pick that up. And when I say they, I mean their employers. Man, have NFL broadcast salaries gone through the roofs? I know that Romo set a bar that most of us were shocked by. Aikman jumped right up to it to move from Fox to ESPN. Is this going to continue to go? Is this just a one-year type thing because the television contracts are going up as much, so we're paying this much in a rights fee. We might as well pay that much in uh, our announcers to make sure it's the best product possible. Have you been surprised by how quickly the numbers have gotten astronomical? All right, well, finally, everybody's making Jody McDonald money. Oh, don't even go there, Deitch, please. (laughs) So here's what I would say to this. I I mean, Romo and Aikman remain outliers. You know, just to give you sort of some perspective, Troy Aikman is going to end up making um, a little over $6 million more than the next highest on-air person at ESPN, which is Stephen A. Smith. So, you know, that's that's a monumental salary structure change for an organization. So I would say, Jody, that those two are still outliers, but here's my caveat. If for some reason, and I don't expect this to happen, but if for some reason Tom Brady, let it be known that he would want to be a, you know, a 20 week a year game analyst. Well, the bar is now set at eight, you know, 18.5 million by Troy Aikman. Tom, Tom Brady will want more than that. Um, and there's a possibility he may get it if he decides to do that. Had Peyton Manning not signed uh, his Manning cast and again, made the, sort of declaration that he wants to be a, a 20-week game analyst a year for, you know, like Fox or a NBC or an ESPN, et cetera, that's the, these are the dollar figures that he'd be looking at, too. I think without someone who is really that prominent, I would not expect, um, I would not expect anybody in that area code. But, and this is important, again, for at least the, people, the listeners out there who care about this stuff, they have moved, I think, I think Aikman in particular – has now moved up the salary for other well-known broadcasters whose contracts are coming up. So obviously, you know, people have talked a lot about the prospect of maybe Joe Buck leaving Fox one year early, going to ESPN. Obviously, ESPN is going to give him a raise over what he's making at Fox. That obviously sets up reverberations, like what happens to Al Michaels. Al Michaels is going to get paid more than what he was working um, at NBC. But... I, I get it. Like, you know, people sort of look at, like, the salaries that Romo and Aikman have, and, and like, they're paid, like, well-paid all-stars in, in other sports. And I think that is head-spinning for people. Lastly, I would just say this, and it's really important to understand this. Like, Jody Gensby, these are rounding errors for Disney and Amazon. Like, you are worth what they will pay you, and we are talking about billion-dollar companies. So while... Absolutely. It does seem crazy to think like, here's a broadcaster making this much money, particularly since we're sort of used to a certain broadcaster salaries. Like, if you look at it under the sort of the guise of the um, 
This is the most important property for most of these companies. It's a billion-dollar property. So an investment of $18 million a year in a billion-dollar property doesn't look as big if you just look at it as sort of $18 million independent of that. Understood. I just wish I was in that lane compared to those guys to me. Yeah, Please, I, come on. Stop. I, I came along too late in this game. Uh, Richard Deitch, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, we're only a matter of weeks away from the start of the big dance, one of my favorite uh, sport sporting events every single year, and it used to be forever, the greatest second-guessing broadcasting sporting event because only one network had it. CBS had all the games. Now that they're partners with Turner and they've got so many cable outlets, you see every single game, you can't sit there and second-guess the director for not jumping to this other game. It gives you a better viewing, but it isn't as much fun if you like second-guessing the manager. Um, How do you think that CBS and Turner and their partnership have done? I can be honest and say I watch um, uh, Impractical Jokers on True TV, so I actually know where True TV is. The only time I ever turned it on was the NCAA tournament, but now I got a second reason to go there. Uh, How do you think they've done it? They've been in this partnership for a couple of years now. Have they gotten better? Is it just better to begin with? What do you think? Listen, I know I'm on CBS Sports Radio, but trust me, if I felt uh, differently, I would say I think it's been a phenomenal partnership. Like you, Jody, I'm old enough to remember when you you could not go to a different channel to get a game that was really close, right? Like nope. you were basically under the watch of the CBS producer in New York who had to make a decision as to when to go to like a potential buzzer beater. I'm not saying it wasn't more exciting. In many ways, it probably was. But the fact that you can essentially direct the entire NCAA tournament if you have a cable package is phenomenal. I love the fact that you have um, the availability to get every single game. Obviously, you need True TV on your package, but presuming you do, um, you have that. I think their streaming product has gotten better over the last couple of years. So you can, you know, watch the watch the tournament on your phone. You watch the tournament um, on your laptop. I think as sort of sports gambling gets bigger, we're probably not so far away from literally being able to bet, you know, with some kind of app, uh, um, perhaps even sort of in-game. Um, you know, via the via Turner or, or CBS, obviously you can do that. You know, if you're subscribed to some, uh, if, you, if you're, you're part of some betting service, obviously, and you have an app on your phone, you could do that as well. But I think the product is really, really good. There are things that you could sort of be subjective about. Like, I think there are better broadcasters than Jim Nance to do the Final Four. In fact, I think there are better broadcasters that CBS Turner have. Ian Eagle would be the guy who I would have called the final. Brian Anderson, I think, is a better game caller than Nance. But, you know, these are sort of small little nitpicks. I think it's been a great partnership. You don't often see uh, competing partners work this well together. And I think if you're an NCAA tournament fan, I I, I mean, I guess there are probably small things you can complain about, but, you know, both of us, Jody, can just let, you know, a younger person know, someone who's 20, 25 years old, like, you, 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 if we could have had that when, when we were younger, it would have been dream world. I mean, again, you are getting every single game um, at your fingertips uh, to watch in full. So I'm, that to me is one of the great partnerships that have happened between two major sports companies, and, and I think they've done a really good job. And I, too, have been guilty of nitpicking, and I always feel bad when I do it, and I'll probably do it again this year. Uh, Charles and Kenny doing college basketball. They parachute in doing the NBA all year. Legitimate legitimate criticism. I think that's, uh, I didn't mean to jump you there, but like, that's fair. Like those are the kind of, you know what you, you know what the, 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 the place in this partnership that you can criticize is talent decisions and like putting 
Turner's insistence, because they are a big part of the package, obviously, they actually pay more money, to put their NBA talent on during this um, is not necessarily um, done for college basketball fan reasons, Jody. It's done for branding and marketing. They want these guys on a very big platform. But I'm with you. Like, no offense. I love Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. That's the greatest studio show, in my opinion, of all time. Yep. But they're not giving you great insight when it comes to college basketball. Just Let's just be one. And then I feel bad every time I do it because I did a show with Kenny, and I know Charles from Philadelphia, so they're both buddies, but I'm sorry. They shouldn't be doing college basketball games. But, again, nitpicking. Um, the baseball holdout that we're dealing with right now, we assume the season's <laughs> yeah. going to start. We know we're going to be under 162 games. Now it's just a question of how many below. I don't know the answer to this. Maybe you do. Uh, those parties involved would probably rather not say, so you have to have someone feed you this type of information. Regional outlets who have the broadcast rights, television outlets, if they play less than 162 games, they negotiate for X amount of games every year. Yeah, every team has a handful of games they don't broadcast, but most broadcast outlets do 155 out of 162, somewhere thereabouts. Um, is there a reduction? Is there a in-place agreement that they pay 162 uh, less for every game that they don't get? It's a major loss for the baseball team. I can't believe they can get their entire TV contract. Um, I, I've never seen anyone say what the type of deals that they have. I know they're probably all individual, but they're probably all similar. How much does a uh, network, I know they lose out on the programming, but they end up saving money. How much does a regional network save if they don't do the amount of games they usually do? So here's, the, like, you really sort of answer your own question. It's all individual. Right? The, the problem, the, the reason I can't give you a perfect answer is that, you know, there are teams that own the network, like the Yes Network in New York. The Yankees own that. So um, it gets sort of tricky in terms of the financing of, like, you know, wh- wh- how, you know, how much does the network end of the business sort of pay the Yankees for each of the games is, like, you know, how is that even allocated? Is it in the same balance? Look, like, I just, I just don't know the – the answer to that, um, right. by and large, as a general rule, Jody, the you're paying for 160. You, your contract is sort of based on a per game basis, so there should be some kind of reduction if for the regional sports network if the schedule is not in full. That said, a lot of these agreements, Jody, go years and years and years, and you're able to sort of rework contracts. Sometimes you can do some kind of make good where you know you get. Um, some kind of additional, you know, baseball-related programming. It would be really hard to answer that question um, on a national level because you'd have to do um, individual sort of each individual regional network. I will say this, and this is just more of a general thing, and this is just true. You know, there are some markets where um, it will hurt the teams because the the regional network is very popular. Games are popular. The baseball viewership draws really, really well. And then there are other markets – Nobody's watching. You know what I mean? And you are correct. Like, you will probably make money by not having these games on. It's really (sighs) – I don't even know sort of where to go. And, again, this is not some kind of, uh, you know – This I think most sports fans would have this take. To to be in the middle of a two-year pandemic, to have people sort of, you know, suffering, making um, decisions and and, and struggling on a day-to-day basis, you know, paying more money for certain goods, et cetera, et cetera, to see the fact that this sport is not going to start is just unconscionable. And I blame the owners a hundred times more than I blame the players. 
And I was naive because I would have thought that, like, these guys would not risk the optics of doing this, you know, at the back end of the pandemic after Americans have really had to sort of suffer um, and do their best. But yet I was dead wrong. And I don't know when they're going to come back. But baseball deserves all the criticism it gets. And there probably will be a time where these guys gamble. I'm talking about ownership. They gamble wrongly that they think the public is not going to uh, always forgive them and come back because the game is great. Um, maybe it won't be on this one, but I think one day they're going to get it handed to them because young people do not think of baseball the same way we did. They think the game is too long. They don't watch it the way we did. Um, there's not a guarantee that your sport is always going to be popular. Look at horse racing and boxing. So I think they've made a terrible decision, a horrific decision, and I guess we'll see how long um, we'll see how long this goes. But man, I, I never thought it would come to this. But you know, that's on me for for being too naive. I don't disagree with you about the potential cataclysmic uh, results uh, when they finally get this thing done. But I've already had you on for 20 minutes, and I could debate you 20 more on the players are just as much as fault as the owners. Shame on both of their houses. Uh, I'm not going to rate one over the other, and I could give you reasons why, but I've got kind of management DNA in my blood, so you know I'm going to fall. And I, got, and, I, and, I, and, I got un, and I got union DNA in my blood, so there you go. <laughs> I got union, too. I've been in a union for 30 years, but I guess my uh, growing up ties are actually stronger. Right, last thing, I meant to ask yeah. you this when we were talking about quarterback uh, broadcasters' salaries. It's, take, feel free to take a couple of seconds and think about this. Who's going to be the first NFL $30 million per year broadcast man? <laughs> They're at 18 now. Factor in how much the bar is going to move as they go, escalating costs and everything else, and streaming now added in, which is make somebody's going to make a whole boatload, maybe Sean Payton from Amazon, uh, which is going to continue to drive it up. 30 is the round number. Who's the first $30 million broadcaster? Do we even know who he is? Is he a broadcaster? Is he a college student? Is he a current NFL player? Who's hitting the $30 million per mark? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I, I, it's, um, it's a player. The question is, is it a player that exists in the game today? Uh, you know, the most popular or famous players in the game today, obviously just Brady retired. He would have been de facto. You know, once upon a time, Aaron Rodgers would have been that. I think, you know, he's, I think people's opinion of his has changed. Hard to know what Patrick Mahomes is going to be in terms of, you know, his interest in this stuff. But the reality is, Jody, that's $30 million. If If we do get to that number, I'm not sure we will, but let's say we do get to that, I think it absolutely has to be a player. It has to be a player of Hall of Fame magnitude. It has to be a player who's just right coming off the field after a Hall of Fame career. There would have been a part of me that thought, could there be a coach? Like if Belichick tomorrow decided, hey, you know, go work for Amazon for $30 million. Um, You know, maybe. I don't know if Amazon would go that high for Bill, but, you know, they think about it, I guess. But, yeah, to me, I think that's a player. I'm not sure the player exists at the moment playing professional football, but it's going to be someone who, ha who has a massive Hall of Fame-like career, who's immensely popular nationally, who's great with the press, who's just glib, smart, um, magnetic, like that's all those characteristics. Right. That's that's the person who gets that dollar figure. Hey, I'll give you a uh, conditional pick. If he is with some other team four years from now, let's see, six, yeah, four years from now, uh, Joe Burrow could be that guy. 
since coming out of Cincinnati, and I know that the market size isn't as big in the NFL as it is in some other sports, but uh, if he ever gets to a major market, he could become the the darling, and he could be a $30 million guy. I'll say one thing about Burrow. Um, As a young guy answering questions on the podium, he is phenomenal. And so project that guy, you know, to a 35-year-old, 36-year-old, he is, if he is interested in this, uh, he would be a phenomenal candidate. So whether that's the $30 million guy, I don't know, but that, that would be a guy in high demand for networks. When it happens in 2037, you're going to have to remember, oh, shoot, Jody, I'll come back on. 15 years ago. Hopefully you and I are both doing this 15 years from now. <laughs> Richard, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much for your insight. I'll call you in three months. All right, that's good. Jody, (laughs) as always, it's great to catch up with you for our our quarterly uh, chat. And uh, listen, I'm watching your Sixers, and I like what I see so far. Interesting team. They have been fun, except uh, James Harden. Uh, and we had almost gotten rid of the term of load management. He sits because of load management tonight, and they didn't even get 90 points. Don't get me started. Jody, right before you hang up on me, I will tell you this. You know I live in Toronto now. So I lived through load management, and it got us a championship with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, okay, thing. yeah. See, you're like me. You, you got a championship, so you buy it. I grew up in a family that was all management, so I can't get away from backing the owners <laughs> even when I know they're just as much to blame as the players. Richard, good stuff. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Joe. That, Be well. That is Richard Deitch, uh, media columnist for years for SI, does it now for The Athletic. And if you care about the broadcasting part of sports, his podcast, the Sports Media Podcast, is the absolute best. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 